0: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome to the Bonyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. Guys, here's the deal. It's Friday, which means it's likely payday. So I hope that you guys have saved some time and perhaps some money to get out and do some cool things. It is also my granddaughter's birthday. She is one. That's right. For those of you that didn't know, not only am I Mississippi's coolest dad, I am Mississippi's coolest granddad. That's right. And those are the official rankings, just so you know. So... Vivian Rose Robertson we call her Vivi is one and uh, They're doing a little party and I think that we have probably bought up all the cute girl clothes in the Golden Triangle Last I checked you know based on what I see around his house We've taken care of that but uh, excited for that and excited for the family that's the thing too you know it's one of those things like you you know when you're young you don't fully appreciate your capacity to love somebody else you you really don't you think you know but you don't and then when you get a little bit older and and you get married there's a new level of uh of love and then you see your children being born and then you realize you didn't really know what love was before that you thought you did but you didn't and then one of your your children meets somebody and falls in love and then you love that person too because they love your child and then they bring a grandchild into the world and there's this new capacity of love and the best thing that i've learned about grandkids is that um you don't have to keep up with all the upkeep you understand what i'm saying it's like you know when your kids you know you can't leave them anywhere. You really can't. You can't, you know, you, you can't leave them at the mall. you got to bring them home at some point. But you get all the good stuff with grandkids. The one bad thing about grandkids is they don't stay long enough. And so when I was in Omaha, I got a chance to see Vivi, I guess, three or four times. I saw her on the way up to Omaha, stopped in Conway, Arkansas, and visited with Ani and his wife and took them out to eat and then made the way to, to Omaha and then got a chance to see them all three days of the finals. And so that's kind of a cool thing, too. And it takes her a couple of days to warm up to me. You know, I don't look like anybody else in her circle. So it's a little different. It is. And as Anya always says, you know, if that's not a wake-up call for you. I don't know what is. But uh, I'm not changing. Nobody can change me. Nobody. Just how it is. Love being me. Hope you love being you. Everybody else is already taken, as they say. But it's a lot of fun. it is. And uh, family is a big part of things. It should be. And I'm a guy that works all the time. Some days, I work about 18 hours a day. Today's one of them. And here I am uh, right at about midnight, recording this show for you guys, because uh, I love you. I've got the capacity to love you. But it's been a busy day. Uh, finished up the chapter about Vanderbilt, the regular season series today. Wrote Ole Miss yesterday. And so already starting to get some feedback from the publisher, very positive. They like how I've laid this thing out. They like how, too, it's not just a summation, kind of providing some color. Because, you know, I went to these games. There are a lot of people that call themselves covering college baseball that watch it on television. That's not not watching – That's watching college baseball. That's not covering college baseball. Anybody can write, watch a game on television, and write a column. Nothing special about that. You get in the car, you make the commitment, and you learn a lot of stuff. You know, some of the stuff that I wrote in the book, some people are saying, hey, I never knew that. Well, you know, that's what happens. If you don't go to the games, you don't know. There are a lot of conversations you can have with people off the record, and you can use that information later. For those of you that have not read it, let me encourage you to uh, to read the story that I wrote earlier this week about Kellen Clark. The story that I learned in person from his dad, David Clark. One of those things back in uh, earlier this year, we had you know we had some stuff going on, and it was a hot day, and I stopped by a local eatery, it just really just to cool off. I mean, the thought of uh, of going home and you know. Driving all that way without having a beverage just seemed to be a little bit more than I wanted to, to you know, to, to break off. So I stopped, had a chance meeting you know, with Dave Clark, and uh, I shared some of this on the last show. But, you know, the response to that article has been tremendous. I think one of the reasons why is because many people wondered why Kellum Clark wasn't playing a lot earlier in the year, especially when you saw how skilled he was with the bat later. And now you know. Now you know. It, it was a very serious situation; it really was, and I think David Clark did a great job, kind of, uh, kind of sharing that with you guys and sharing it with me. I, I, when he first told me the story, I thought, you know what? Let's circle back to this after the season is over and see if Dave really wants to talk about this stuff on the record. And of course, there's some things we didn't get into a lot of detail about because some things are private. You know, contrary to popular belief, not everything is a, is for public consumption. So, we, you know, we talked about it. And Kellen Clark's a guy that actually, his first offer came from Mississippi State when John Cohen was your baseball coach. He committed when Andy Cannizzaro came along, and then that's, that commitment survived all the way up until Chris Lamontis is hired. It says a lot about him as a player. Also says a lot about your university, about your baseball program. And you know, we're going to honor these commitments. We did. And, you know, it's one of those things, too, in the beginning, everybody has all these grand designs, everybody playing travel team baseball. Oh, we're going to stick together. It just didn't always work out that way. That happened with us and Ani, too. When I was coaching middle school basketball at Hosanna Christian Academy in Baton Rouge and had a great time there, really did. You know, all the dads got together, you know, when the guys were young playing baseball and says, hey, let's all stick together and let's play together. And by the time these boys get into high school, we'll be able to compete for a state championship. And what happens is... All of a sudden, guys get older, and they decide, you know what, I think we want to play football. We didn't have football at Hosanna Christian. Despite the fact that we kept all these guys together, Summer League Baseball and everything else, they played together as basically a school team in the rec leagues. And then one by one, people started leaving. And eventually, we left. But it's really cool when things work out. Uh, to be honest with you, I think Ani is the only one of that group that actually played college sports. It would have been nice to stick together. But, again, you know, the best, you know, the best plans of Mice and Men, right? You've heard that expression before. It's like you get all excited about stuff, and you don't really realize how long a young man's athletic career is when you begin to add you know, rec league ball and travel team ball and middle school ball and high school ball and, and eventually college ball. You play baseball a long time. And it's not just baseball. But, you know, baseball is one of those sports that you pretty much play year-round nowadays. I remember we, you know, we'd get done with rec league ball, and then next thing you know, we're playing fall ball at, at, um, at Cypress Mound out there in Gardere. You get done with that, and there's a little bit of time off, and you're playing high school ball. You know, it's, just, it's one of those things that, that, that never ends, and it's a, co- a, a real commitment on behalf of the player and the parent. I don't regret any of it, not a single day of it. David Clark doesn't either. Matter of fact when I talked to him, he was with uh, KK. His name is actually Kincaid, they call him KK. That's Kellum's younger brother. They're out on the road, you know, trying to face some quality pitching. So Dave put his feet up on the fence, grabbed the phone, called me, we talked about it. So go check it out. It's a free column over on jeanspage.com. And I did not know how serious the situation was until David explained it to me here, you know, several weeks back. But it also reminds me, too, that you know, every one of these players that, uh, you know, that everybody gets so down in the mouth about has a family. We forget that sometimes. I mean, you see them out there and you think, oh, well, this is just, you know, this is a guy we can chew on. Because we love Mississippi State baseball so much, and you know, sometimes we forget that we're not going to win every game. And if we don't go 60-0... then then there's a failure somewhere, right? And somebody's got to be blamed for it. You know, sometimes it is just baseball. It's become a cliche. Ah, you know, that's baseball. It's true, though. It's true. There's some days you got it and some days you don't. But there's never a day when the right thing to do is to go get on social media and tweet at a player, their family. Got to know many of these baseball parents, and, you know, I, I can tell you that they see this stuff. They do. I wish they wouldn't. I wish it was never out there. But if it is out there, I wish they wouldn't look for it. Because ha- here's what happens. If somebody says something over-the-top negative about your kid, and then you, know, you have a neighbor that points it out to you, and you just can't resist going to look at it, and then you begin to get this negative impression. You know. And, and I think Dave sees it the best. You know, it's the 1%. It really is. It, it's, it's a really small percentage of people that go and do that. And uh, I've had some players, I won't mention any names, that have gotten direct messaging, you know, from fans. Not necessarily opposing fans, Ole Miss fans, Arkansas fans, whatever. And there's some of that too. But from some of our fans. And these are our guys. And we have some of our fans, and I use that in Dr. Evil quotes, fans, you know, reaching out to these guys and saying, hey, you know, you didn't do this and you didn't do that and you stink. And, and usually, the person sending that never played even even beyond a middle school level. They didn't even play high school ball, but all of a sudden, they're an expert. Got a lot to say. And it's never, hey, listen, I, was, I noticed that you're wrapping your bat a little bit there. You know, it's slowing your hands down. Keep your hands a little bit higher and keep that an elbow in a little bit. It's never anything helpful or constructive like that. Not that, you know, you know more than Jay Gotrow does, but it's always, hey, you stink. You're a waste of a scholarship you shouldn't be out there you're not an SEC player and again it's a very 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 small percentage and it's not just unique to Mississippi State people but if we have one of those people doing that it's too many we just shouldn't do it and there were so many people too that were so critical of Chris Lamontis and the staff I don't understand why Kellum's not playing well now, now you do now you get it so maybe go back and delete your tweet oh they're just they're sandbagging on this they're not being fair to the kid you know you know, David Clark will tell you, it's tough, man. I mean, you, you finally get him back and you get him healthy. And just because he's back healthy doesn't mean he's game ready. You know, and as a dad, you know how much they love it. And you know how much you love watching them play. So you want them to get out there and play as soon as possible, and sometimes even before they're ready. But I think Crystal Monas and through did a great job kind of managing a situation. And Kellan was great down the stretch and he'll be even better this year got to get some pitch recognition him and cam james both Logan, uh, lane forsyth those guys are only gonna get better You usually make that big jump between the first and second full season that's why i think cam james and kellum clark and lane forsyth are all going to be even much better players next year got a lot of baseball stuff to talk about later in the show. Wanna thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of this show. I'm gonna be there tomorrow, that's a plan anyway. Gonna shoot down there after uh, Top Dog Camp, and grab me a hamburger. I've been Jones and for him, man. Nobody really does it like Bulldog Burger Company. A lot of people make hamburgers. You know a lot of people out there that do things that um, don't make a lot of sense too. Yeah, you, know, you can get a hamburger just about anywhere, but you can't get a Bulldog Burger anywhere but one place. And that's Bulldog Burger Company. You go in and have the Bulldog. Like if you just say, Steve, listen, I'm not ready for anything exotic. I just want a great restaurant-quality hamburger. You get that right there, Bulldog Burger Company, as the Bulldog. Very, very easy to remember. But if you're like me and you want to take a walk on the wild side, let me encourage you to get outside the lines a little bit. Try that Pimentology ad Bake. And always have the spring rolls as your appetizer. When Mike Neiman and I go, he gets the spring rolls as an entree with a side of fries. That's an awful lot of carbs for a man on the prowl, but he, that's what he does. It's pretty impressive. Get that chocolate shake to go. And there's, the best thing about it is, too, is this is a growing empire. It started right here on University Drive in Stark, Vegas. Then we expanded to Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. That is a great building, too. And then now, Lake Harbor Drive in Ridgeland. Getting so many great reviews, man. So many people have messaged and said, Steve, listen, when we would go to state for a ball game, it was kind of difficult to get into Bulldog Burger Company because they are so busy because it is a great place to go eat. And so, you know, we just couldn't get there in time. Your kids got ballgames in the mornings, and so we had to kind of eat on the road. We always wanted to try Bulldog Burger Company, and now we have one here in central Mississippi, and you're exactly right. The spring rolls have made me better looking. We all need more of that. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, the only thing that we've talked about, it seems, for the last 10 days is this Texas-Oklahoma merger with the SEC. A lot of drama with all this, too. A lot of people got their feelings hurt. You know, when when the story first broke during SEC media days, you know, Texas A&M athletic director Ross Bjork had a lot to say. I, I really believe a lot of that, too, which is kind of grandstanding for his base i really do and ross has done that kind of thing before and i'm not being critical of him you know maybe you have to put up some token resistance you know just because of the fact this is going to be a very unpopular situation and maybe you got to say hey listen we don't we don't we don't believe in this and there was some you know some saber rattling about all this oh there's this private agreement and and a&m's got the ability to veto this and listen mike's live may have told them that i don't know i don't know and God rest his soul, Mike's life not here to, to, to kind of hold up his end of the deal and say, hey, listen, this is, this is exactly what I said. But, you know, it's kind of been known for a long time that, like, we, we couldn't add Clemson without South Carolina's blessing. We couldn't add Florida State or Miami without Florida's blessing. And I don't know if that's really, you know, one of those things you look at and say, well. Why would that happen? I, I, I don't know. I just don't know if that happens. may have had a little technical difficulty there. I apologize if so. I've got this new software I'm trying to work through. But, um, but, you know, it's kind of been an unwritten rule that, you know, we just wouldn't go out and add other schools in SEC states without the other state schools' permission. You know what I'm saying? It's just like we wanted to protect South Carolina. We wanted to protect Florida. And so I could see – you know, again, maybe it's just a gentleman's agreement. Maybe it's not one of those things that you look at and say, well, it's in writing anywhere. But, you know, if we made those assurances, I don't think it would be completely out of the norm to think that we we did that as a league to Texas A&M. But we voted 14-0. Texas and Oklahoma send their letter to the Big 12 saying we're not going to plan to renew the media rights past 2025. Then there is the application to join the Southeastern Conference. That's all been done. There was the vote by the League Presidents, 14 0, not even a 13 1, not even a token vote against from AM. Even they're on board. And I think a lot of it too is just financially it makes so much sense for everybody that even A and M's like, you know what, we got a ton of money here, but if you're going to pay us twenty, twenty five million more a year, then let's do it. And I think at the end of the day, and I've said this on Monday show, I, I think if you're a fan of college football, you really want to see Texas and Texas A&M play. I, I do, I do. As a fan of college football and as a fan of the SEC, I think it's a great thing. I think it's ridiculous. I think that they, they had played what 117 years, and now they hadn't played what eight or nine. I think college football needs that game, and that's not to say that it, it's going to always be for something other than, than the you know state pride of the Lone Star State. It may not have national implications or even major bowl implications, but I think it's good for the game. You know, it's just like, you know, Kansas and Missouri in men's basketball. You know, why are we not playing that? Oh, you know, Missouri left and Kansas is going to play them anymore. Listen, that, that was a great series in men's college basketball. And so, I, to be honest with you, college basketball in many respects has kind of lost its luster with me a little bit the last several years. Uh, You can thank Scotty Hobson for some of that. But but be that as it may, it's one of those deals where there are some natural rivalries that draw some national attention, even if they're not national implications. And this Texas-Texas A&M one is one of them. There's a few things I think about, too, as we begin to think about life with uh, 16 teams in our conference. You know, we lived for a long time with, you know, well, we were ten, I guess. I think we grew up with ten. Then we added Arkansas and South Carolina, which seemed a little bit weird, but we've kind of grown accustomed to it. 2012, we add you know Missouri, Texas A&M, and it made sense to add them in many respects. I think Missouri is a, is kind of the outlier. If you've been up there for a ball game, you know what I'm talking about. It doesn't feel like an SEC venue. It, it just doesn't. It doesn't feel like an SEC crowd. Facility-wise, they're kind of behind the rest of the league. Maybe they'll catch up. I mean, That's a good thing, too, about this new deal is it'll give everybody a lot more money to work with in their operating uh, budgets. But what do we do with the SEC baseball tournament? Right? The last several years, it's just been two teams that have been eliminated. You know, you have 12 of the top 14 play. I don't know for sure what we do, and I've asked around a little bit. Nobody seems to know, and it's something they'll address, and, of course, we've got plenty of time to figure that out. I think it's probably best maybe if we stick with 12. I think it actually adds more drama sticking with 12 because you have four teams that are fighting, you know, to get that last spot. I guess for technically five teams. And so I think it makes the games mean a lot more later in the year. And you're never really out of it, I guess. You know, you could have a year like Missouri had this year and you could be out pretty soon. But, you know, but by and large, those last couple weekends are going to be huge because, you know, that's – those races for the back end of Hoover, they're just as competitive as the ones for the, for the SEC title. That's just kind of how it works. You know, those teams are playing for their postseason lives, and so you see a real high-quality brand of baseball, even if the talent level is not what it is at the top. The intensity of those games is very exciting to behold. So I, I would suggest leaving it at twelve. Because then you don't have to do all this other stuff with the, you know, to redo the brackets. SEC basketball, that's pretty straightforward. You know, I don't know what scheduling model we use now. We're going to talk about some men's basketball scheduling a little bit later in the show. I don't know that it makes that big a difference, though. Even adding the two teams, I mean, I, just, I don't think it makes a big difference at all. I think it's just, you know, just two more teams in a rotation. The football scheduling model will be much different, though. And that's one of the benefits, I think, for Mississippi State. We've talked about not playing Alabama. I think we have been kind of antiquated in our thinking when it comes to SEC football scheduling. It's like, well, yeah, we got these divisions. We've had them since 92, so we're just going to stick with that. Well, that works most of the time, but the problem comes in is when you have years where the East is not any good. And you got some of that in baseball, too. You know, like Vanderbilt for years kind of got fat on the fact that, you know, outside of Florida, they didn't have a meaningful series to play against an SEC Eastern Division opponent. And so for teams like LSU and Mississippi State and Arkansas, it wasn't a fair deal because they got the benefit of playing the two two and three worst teams in the conferences every year. So they would play Kentucky. They'd play Missouri. They played Tennessee when they were down. And here we are: LSU, Ole Miss, Arkansas, Mississippi State beating each other up, and all of us are in contention, you know, to be regional hosts and in most situations a top eight national seed. And so, when you think about the, the divisions, you know, there could be extended stretches where there's not a level playing field. And so you look at the whole the whole Florida football thing. You know, Florida, you know, won the East for years and the only team that was really competitive in the East was Georgia. And you go back to some of the Spurger years, and you know the Tennessee was a good ball game, but you know, Florida usually won the game. But then you get to beat up on Vanderbilt, you got to beat up on Kentucky, you get to beat up on South Carolina. And then you had Murderer's Row over here in the SEC West. I mean you remember a couple years ago, I guess it was uh, maybe fifteen? And every team in the SEC West went to a bowl game? I'm not going to sit here and get some big discussion about, you know, the number of bowl games. I, I, I'm a fan of college football. The more, the more you can give me, the happier I'm going to be. People say, oh, there's too many bowls. Nonsense. That's just some hot take you read somewhere. Well, there's no reason their team was 6-6 six and six should get in a bowl game. Why not? If we love it, why not give us more of it? You don't have to watch it. There's some years we've been that 6-6 six six team, and I've had a great time at a bowl game gives you a lot of juice going into the next year, going into signing day. So if we love college football, why would we want less college football? Doesn't make any sense to me. Maybe you don't love college football. Maybe you just love arguing on Twitter. But I would just be happy to say, you know what? Let's scrap these two divisions, go into the smaller pods. I I think that makes perfect sense because it, it changes the rotation. I think it gives us a greater opportunity to play more teams more regularly rather than being saddled with having to play Alabama, LSU, and Auburn every single year. This wouldn't happen. And so I don't know who leaked that, but the first time that I saw it was on the SEC network, which makes me think there's probably some credibility to those reports. And again, we've got time to figure it out. I had somebody message me a couple days ago and said, hey, you think Texas and Oklahoma play this year in the SEC? No, there's not a chance. It's too late. Guys, we start fall football camp next Friday. So now it's too late for that. And, you know, the Big 12 and their response to the Texas and Oklahoma exit, they have said, you know, 2025. Everybody's been kind of consistent with that. Does it go to full 2025? Maybe not. But I don't know that. You know, maybe they begin to think, you know, after this year, you know, maybe it's just not good for those two teams to stay there for three more seasons. You know, maybe there's a way we can negotiate a bit of a buyout. I don't know. It's not our problem. If you remember, you know, A&M in Missouri, that, that was kind of weird for a while, too. We heard they were coming, but it took a while for them to get here. And then Johnny Manziel came over here and ran all over us. So there's no, there's no telling what shape those programs are going to be when they get here. I think Lincoln Riley is one of the best coaches in all college football. I think Oklahoma – will consistently come over here and compete. I really do. I don't think that about Texas. And that's not necessarily a reflection of Steve Sarkeesian, who, you know, I'm a big supporter of Steve's and I hope he does really well. Just not better than us. I just think Texas is one of those teams that is so caught up in past glory that can't be objective. And it kind of reminds me a little bit of Alabama before Nick Saban got there. I remember when Nick Saban had that press conference when he goes, you know, everybody around here walks around, talks about championships, but nobody here has done it. And it really ruffled some feathers. But I think those people that really loved Alabama were like, hey, you know what? He wanted OSU. He's beaten us. Let's let him say what he wants to say and look at what he's built. I don't think Texas can build that, but I think they suffer from some of that same identity crisis where it's like, hey, Darryl Royal was our coach. And then most people, you know, most young people today, certainly all recruits, have no clue who Darryl Royal was. You know, Darryl Royal was our coach, too, for two seasons. Before we left, you know, him, and, him and Murray Warmath both left Mississippi State for Texas and Minnesota, respectively, and then went and won national championships. It's crazy. We've had some good coaches come through here goes back to what we talked about the other day. But, you know, now that we're going to have all this extra money, salary-wise, we'll be as competitive as anybody in the country. Makes a lot of sense to me. But, again, I think it gets Mississippi State. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid. That was, like, the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year. And me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on have our chaps, our vest, and we go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Takovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing, the versatility of Tacovas And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Out of a scheduling routine that is almost like banging your head against the wall, I think it'll make it fresher too. I mean, how excited are you guys to get in the car and drive to Austin, Texas to watch the Bulldogs play Texas? Old Miss got to do that here a few years ago a historic venue it's a great town Austin Texas is a great place to go visit many of us in the state of Mississippi have never been to Oklahoma I've been a few times I love it up there I've shared that with you guys before I love the state of Oklahoma the people are great the towns are great there's only a handful of them up there you know that that have you kind of densely populated but um, it's a great place Uh, Oklahoma City is incredible man I love Oklahoma City But how cool would it be to go up there and go to Norman, Oklahoma and watch the Bulldogs play the Sooners? That'd be pretty awesome. I think it'd be amazing. And then think about the fact that we get them here. You know, we had Texas here, what was it, back in 92? We had them come here. Played them in the 99 Cotton Bowl. We played them four times in our history. We got a 2-2 record against Texas. But Texas doesn't scare me. And I suspect they don't scare you either. But I think this adds some novelty to the conference. Yeah, and that's the thing, too. It's like, you know, hey, when Texas isn't on our schedule and they're not expected to be in our pod, they they got a chance to run some interference for us. Because let's kind of be honest with ourselves. You know, how often are we going to be in contention to win a spot and go to Atlanta? Not not very often. I, I think with Mike Leach is here. I think, you know, once he gets his guys and kind of gets things rolling, I, I think we can compete a lot more regularly and I think the scheduling model kind of enables that to happen with a greater regularity. But how many times do you grab a schedule right now and you grab it and you say, okay, Alabama's a loss. We played OSU. That's a loss. Auburn's a loss. Or maybe it's a toss-up. You know, it's like there won't be that automatic, you know, sigh of exasperation when a schedule comes out because I think it's going to be one of those things you kind of eagerly anticipate. It's like, hey, this is going to be really cool. And how many of you have been to see a college football game at every SEC venue? Not very many, right? But those of you that have, you'll be able to kind of punch a few more uh, you know, punches on your bingo card and add a couple more trips. I love going to watch Mississippi State play on the road. I do. And I love Davis Wade Stadium. I love the hump, and I especially love Duty Noble Field. I, I love Duty Noble Field uh, more than a friend. I love going out there. I could sit there all day. I could watch a triple header. I would not be in any hurry to leave. I love being out there. I love the vibe. I love being around all you guys. I love what we have. But I also love going out there and seeing the guys play on the road. I do. I love it. I get so much joy from road baseball. I started doing it a couple years ago. I even went to Sanford to watch us play, went down to Pearl to watch us play. Yeah, I missed the Citadel game this year. And I'm kind of kicking myself because I'd have been able to spend the day off in Charleston. But, you know, I couldn't be gone five nights during the school year. But it is what it is. But there's so much fun. There's going to be so many trips that we can take. I think a lot of people now, it's like, hey, you know what? Instead of us sitting around here this weekend, let's get in the car and go see the Bulldogs play here or there. It's a lot of fun. And it's going to be a lot of fun for Texas. and It's going to be a lot of fun for Oklahoma when they get a chance to come here especially to play baseball. You think about great nights at Davis-Wade Stadium, we get those cowbells going. They've never heard anything like that. I mean, Texas got a few cowbells, but I mean, come on. I mean, come on. We're the Cowbell Kings and Queens. And so it's going to be a cool thing for them to come here. And you know as well as i do how much they're going to love coming to watch uh, their team play at Dirty Noble Field. Yeah, you know, we've had some success against those teams. You remember a couple years ago, I guess it was in 18, we beat Oklahoma in a regional. and um, Or we played them in a regional. I guess we beat them in a second game. They killed us in that first game. And then this year, you know, we played Texas, what, you know, what, four times? First time since 85. I almost felt like maybe it was a little bit foreshadowing there. Another thing that I want to talk about is how big of a gangster is Greg Sankey? I mean, really, think about this now. Okay, so it was about six months ago. I guess not longer than that now. Time's gotten away from me. College baseball, six months ago. But uh, the season anyway. So Greg Sankey, this time last year, is basically depending on Bob Bowlesby and and the Big 12 to save college football. We knew we had the ACC on board. The Big 10 and the Pac-12 had already quit not surprising they quit and so the the big 12 was the swing vote in the whole deal and so sankey and the fine folks in the acc said okay look here's what we're going to do and they got the big 12 to go along with us now all of a sudden the majority of the power five schools and conferences were going to play and so in, in the middle of all that in the months that followed Greg Sankey's having some discussions with Texas and Oklahoma, as we understand it. Because this, all this didn't come to pass here in the last couple of weeks. It clearly has been something that's been going on for a while, which is something that I'm sure will come out. There'll be books written about this, and there'll be articles and long-form pieces and that sort of stuff about how it all, the time frame. And I don't know if we ever get the full story, but we're going to get a lot of it. But Greg Sankey, you know, again relied on the Big 12 to kind of pull this thing off and then took the uh, two anchor members of that conference less than a year later. And I've read that some people said, oh, it's been about six months. All this has been going on for six months. I, I just don't know if I believe that. I think it's too big a decision to take place in such a short time frame. Now, maybe you're wrong. But I think, again, you, Greg Sankey, we talk about commissioners coming in here and uh, kind of putting their stamp on things. You know, Roy Kramer, a lot of people called him Uncle Roy. I don't know that he was always a friend of Mississippi State. I don't know that. But I know that we grew a lot as a league. Roy Kramer's the visionary that had the idea to do the, the SEC championship game, and everybody said he was a fool for doing it. Saying Roy Kramer is going to knock one of his teams out of contention for a national championship. And then look at the run we went on after that. And we had that great game between Alabama and Florida. I believe it was at Legion Field. Shane Matthews threw the pick. I think it was George Teague that picked it off. But when that happened, when we had a chance as a league to do that, I was like, wow, we're a little bit better than everybody else. And the league kind of came of age under Roy Kramer. Roy Kramer. And so now you look around the landscape of college football and everybody's got a championship game. Everybody's kind of mimicking what the SEC did. Mike Slive came in. We didn't have some things quite like that. And and I'll be honest with you, I'm not, not a huge Mike Slive fan over the years. I don't think that he um uh, I don't think that he was a friend of Mississippi State at all. I know some other people would disagree, and that's fine. You're entitled to your opinion, I'm entitled to mine. I just know that under Mike Slive's tenure there were Every school in the SEC, with the exception of two, ended up on football probation. The two that didn't were Vanderbilt and Ole Miss. You mean to tell me that Ole Miss wasn't cheating their tails off during the the Slive tenure? That Slive had them under his thumb? Come on, man. It all goes back to Bobby Kayat basically stumping for Slive to get the gig, who was the Conference USA commissioner. That's not to say that he didn't do a good job as commissioner because, you know, we really began to expand the media rights and really rake in a lot of money. Under Slive, but he had his friends, and I don't think that we were one of them. And again, some people would disagree. I'm just going on what I know. I know when I got ready to write Flim Flam, I began to do some digging and talking to some old timers. You know, I heard some things that made me think that we didn't have maybe a fair shake at times in the SEC. I submit to you, if Greg Sankey had been the commissioner of the SEC. Back in 2000, the Mississippi State doesn't end up in the Independence Bowl. Probably don't end up in the Peach Bowl in 99 either. Probably end up somewhere better during both years. And some would say, well, you know, state doesn't travel. Wasn't true then. Certainly not true now. You don't think our people would have gone to the Outback Bowl? We earned it. We earned the opportunity to go. We didn't get to go. I believe if Greg Sankey had been our commissioner, we'd have been able to take that trip. And again, that's just my opinion. But yeah, Greg Sankey's come along, though. And you know, Greg has done a good job. And I think, again, I think Greg's legacy right now is on the fact that he saved college football. And I had a chance to tell him thank you when we were in Omaha. So you know what? I don't know if anybody's ever said it, Greg, but thanks for saving college football. And he kind of grinned a little bit. And he goes, you never get the compliments. Probably some truth in that. That guy's got to be a very, very difficult job. And there, listen, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I've agreed with everything that he's done, but there is no doubt that the SEC is in better financial shape than we have ever been in. And a lot of that's got to do with the foundation laid by Roy Kramer and Mike Slive, but also to the leadership of Greg Sankey. The one thing that I will say about Greg, I think he is the modern brand of leader. He is a guy that's not afraid to make the difficult decision. He is still very approachable, but I think he's a guy too that uh, once he gets his mind made up on something, he's a real go-getter. I think he gets what he goes after, and I think that is a great thing if you're a fan of college baseball, because I believe that Greg Sankey is the guy that can kind of help push this thing through. You know, and it's like I've heard a good friend say recently. You know, and and it kind of relates to college baseball. You know, scholarship allocations and things like that. You know, it's difficult to say Alabama and Albany in the same sentence. We're playing two different brands of sports, man. We just are. But Albany gets the same vote that Alabama does. And that's just wrong. It's not right. And there's too many people out there that say, well, you know, we want to be Division One, Not because they can contribute to Division One. It's a money thing. So we have to make these divisions – a little more attractive, I guess, in many respects. You guys have heard me talk about it with college baseball, like Jackson State. You know, Jackson State, the SWAG champs, and I'm, I'm really, really, really appreciative of the fact that the, the NCAA baseball committee sent them to Austin. Rather than take the easy way out, as many other committees have done in years past, and make them go to you know, Starkville or Oxford. In, in, in back years ago when Roger Cador, what a great man he is, when he was the coach of Southern, Southern would have to go to to Baton Rouge to go to LSU. They didn't get to leave their house. They stayed in their own dorms. But this year, the Jags got to take a trip, got to go to Austin, Texas. Nobody expected those guys to win, but didn't they earn the right to go have a good trip somewhere rather than just go somewhere they'd already played? So I was glad to see that happen. But, you know, Southern is playing for the same championship Mississippi State is. And that's just not feasible. It's just not. And so that's where I think there has to be some meaningful legislation. You know, not just in baseball, but in football. I mean, Louisiana Monroe. Yeah, you know, they're they're probably content to use their football program, you know, to fund the rest of their athletics budget. But let's be honest; they're never going to be a seven and five team. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, it may, it may happen, you know, once a decade. They're never going to consistently compete to be in bowl games. It's just not going to happen. And so what if everybody had a chance to play for something? Yeah, Louisiana Monroe joined the Sun Belt back in 2001. They've had one winning season since then. One. One winning season. They had a 6-6 six and six the next year. They go eight and five back in 2012, and they go six and six the next year. But, you know, this is a program that is not going to compete for bowl games. And so, you know, we've got to figure out an equitable solution for everybody because it's like, okay, these guys are never going to contribute to the bowl coffers of their conference. They're never going to have big attendance numbers because they have a small fan base and they don't win. But they get the same level of vote that Alabama does, who, competes for an NAFL championship annually. It just doesn't make any sense. And so there's got to be something. Would it really be that much more difficult to just add another division? I don't know all the finances behind all that. You know, we're basically talking about another trophy. You could still play those games on campus. They don't have to have, you know, you if, if you want to, you could use a minor bowl game. Would that be the championship for, you know, the division two? I remember it used to be a thing years ago, you know, back in late 70s, early 80s, You know, we, we, we called the G5 the minor conferences because you had major conferences. And, but that for some reason, that term minor conference was offensive to people. And so now we can't be a minor conference because that's, uh, you know, that's just insulting. So now we're the Power 5 and the G5. Guys, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. We're just calling it something different. And it used to be 1A and 1AA. Well, no, we're, let's change it to FBS and FCS. What difference does it make? Why does it matter what we call it? Let's fix it. You know what? The FCS has their own championship. They do. Division two has their own championship. Division three has their own championship. We've got all these teams that have caused this glut in Division I football that are not capable of competing for a championship. And I think more so than, than any other sport is baseball. You know, We've got to find a way to change these divisions because you, you think Monmouth wants to pay a third assistant coach? that They're probably not even using their full allocation of baseball scholarships. You think they want to pay that third assistant? Do you think they want to help the SEC? And so there was so much talk, and I give Kendall Rogers a lot of credit for really covering that story really closely. You know, last year when they were voting on the, you know, paying the third assistant, And, and what the deal was is that it was, we're going to allow schools that want to pay the ability to do it. You don't have to, you're not required to pay the third assistant. We just want the ability to pay those guys. And so if you want to go on the cheap and say, you know what, our volunteer coach is a volunteer and uh, we don't care if he makes a living or not as long as he's here, then so be it. But you know, schools like Monmouth, and I'm, I'm just using them as an example because they're just a small program, but whether it be Monmouth or you know, Central Arkansas or whatever, do you think they're going to do something that widens the gap between them and the teams they're chasing? You know, some people really need a reality check here. They really do. And I think Greg Sankey is a guy that can bring meaningful change. I really do. I still want him to get the daggum officiating fix in our league. That's a joke. And I'm sure he gets a million of those tweets no matter the sport. But officiating in our league is a joke. An absolute joke. And I think, you know, I will say we had the problem with Alabama a couple years ago. They fixed it. They did. All right, today's top 10 list brought to you by johnnypacker.com. We're going to say goodbye to Johnny Packer for a little while. They're going to rotate off the schedule a little bit. It's been a good run. Brandon... John Packer, those guys are great guys. They're Bulldogs. And as you know, I am a big proponent of doing business with Bulldogs. whenever possible. Those guys are very much a part of this. Reach out to them at johnnypacker.com. If you see some sunglasses you'll really like, even if they show is sold out, they can get them for you. They, they can return that inventory around pretty quick. But what's happened is you guys done a great job. And like When they first started, they weren't stocking a lot of glasses. They were just kind of you know ordering as they went and then you have a little you know, have a couple frames kind of loaded up and the next thing you know you guys got involved and so they're selling a bunch of glasses and the reason they're selling a bunch of glasses is not just because they're advertising on the show it's just it's a quality piece of eyewear now you can stop at a truck stop and you can spend 25 bucks and you get your pair of cheap sunglasses and they'll last you a month or two and you'll lose them and you'll be glad you did because they're pinching your nose they're riding high on your ears and you know scratching the back side of your scalp you know why not why not go ahead and just invest a little bit more and get some real glasses and you can use your prescription to get prescription lenses one of the greatest gifts in my life is my prescription sunglasses it's amazing so it's a game changer i spend so much time on the road i'm trying to protect myself protect my eyes and i don't have to sacrifice shade for vision i can have them both you could do the same thing with johnnypacker.com you get your prescription and send it to them, they'll fashion those lenses to fit the frames you like. Very easy to do. All these frames are named after Mississippi Towns with the exception of the Omaha frames. Let me encourage you to check those things out. Again, visit johnnypacker.com. Use promo code Boneyard. That'll save you 10%. And that promo code will, will, will continue. Okay, so be sure to use that. 10% off of uh, your glasses. And so, you know, it's, today's not the last day for that. But uh, again, they're going to go away for a while. And listen, John Packer's a guy that has struggled with cystic fibrosis his entire life and actually having a pretty good quality of life right now. So a portion of each purchase is going to be donated directly to the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation to help improve the quality of life of others who struggle with CF. Again, that's johnnypacker.com, promo code Boneyard. Go check it out today. Top 10 list I picked today. Roy picked Hank Williams Jr., listed really well. A lot of feedback. As always expected that Hank Williams jr's got a lot of good songs and that's the thing about Hank Williams jr too is a lot of them you know, a lot of the b-sides sound like singles too because the production value the record company really believed in Hank Williams jr and so you you don't have a lot of filler on those albums they're really good but today's my pick and uh, you know I like doing rock and roll on Friday and we haven't done that the last couple of weeks we are going to have uh, some pop music next week. Roy's like, hey, these pop music requests are kind of stacking up a little bit. So we're going to run through some of those next week. Not exactly sure the order will do it. I may have to consult my college girls uh, to help me with some of that, those lists. But today's top 10 list is uh, is one I picked. And it's not on the list. I was just kind of listening to some stuff today. And I said, you know what, I could put a top 10 list together on this, and I am. You know what a big Motley Crue fan I am. So we're going to do some Motley Crue related stuff today. Now we have done a Motley Crue list in the infancy of the top 10 era on this show. Today's going to be the top 10 Motley solo songs. What I mean by that is any little side project the guys have been involved in, that's what we're going to do. So if it was a solo album or a side project, so it's a top 10 Songs that involve a Motley Crue member, but not recorded within Motley Crue. Now, I didn't use any John Krabbe songs, and John was the lead singer of a band called The Scream. Then he did the, the one album with Motley and a band called Union with Bruce Kulick from Kiss. He's had a lot of success. Now he's with, uh, with the Dead Daisies, and John's doing some solo stuff. I hate that I couldn't see him last week down at Hall of but uh, I didn't use any John Krabbe stuff. If you can get your hands... On that album, The Scream, Let It Scream, you may have seen me wearing a Scream t-shirt this baseball season. It's not on Apple Music, so you have to buy the CD, and you could probably find it in a bargain bin for a couple bucks. It is absolutely worth it to go listen to it. Bob Rock outdid himself on that album. The production value is incredible. If we had had that that's that album available i might have included karabi on the list but um many of you reject that john karabi album i think you're i think you're absolutely wrong i love that self titled motley crew album it didn't sound like the vince neal stuff i thought it was actually a little more serious to be honest with you all right so again there's a couple honorable mentions here i didn't use you know Mick Morris plays the guitar solo on the Corey Marks song "Outlaws and Outsiders" with Travis Tritt, I love that song. I absolutely do. Uh, Ivan Moody from Five Finger Death Punch also sings on that that song. So if you don't, if you're not familiar with that one, go check it out. That's "Outlaws and Outsiders," which kind of fits us, right? I Also, didn't use uh, Mick Mars. He was in uh, in in the in the Hinder second album. He did a couple tracks with them. Kinder open for Motley. That's how that whole thing kind of came to be. So also didn't do any methods of mayhem. That was like Tommy Lee's little rap project. I just didn't get it. I mean, you know, the video for Get Naked is really cool. Pam Anderson's in that. You know I'm a fan. Fred Durst uh, has a couple bars on that one uh, as well. So, but I didn't do any methods of mayhem. And I guess maybe because I was so bitter that Motley wasn't together back then, I just couldn't accept that. But here are the top ten songs by Molly Crew members that were recorded outside of Molly Crew. Number 10, a song called Outcast by former American Idol contestant James Durbin. Mick plays guitar on this, and it is an absolutely banger of a track. James Durbin was born a little bit too late. He has that uh, metal voice. And he was on American Idol, he sang a lot of metal. But Mick lays down an incredibly bluesy type riff on this track. Again, it's Outcast by James Durbin featuring Mick Mars. Number nine, uh, one of the first side projects of Nikki Six, a band called Brides of Destruction, had Tracy Guns from L.A. Guns on guitar, and it's a little more punked out. Uh, the first album was called Here Come the Brides. And then, of course, you know, Tracy left, and eventually Nicky left, and the thing just didn't hold together. There's a really cool track on that first album, I Don't Care. That's the name of the track. And it is very punky, and I think you'll really dig it. It's a little bit different than anything else Nicky Six has done. It's really more a Tracy Guns influence. You know, Tracy, of course, uh, one of the original founding members of Guns N' Roses. Tracy's still doing it big. Uh, don't always agree with his politics, but the guy can really, really play. Uh, number eight one of the first tracks off nikki's uh current solo project 6 a.m a song called lies of the beautiful people great track and uh i used to listen to that and i always think it reminds me of old miss lies of the beautiful people i guess in that respect it would be lives of the very average people wearing an awful lot of makeup people uh number seven off vince neal's first solo album exposed which was an absolutely killer album and it sounds a lot like Motley. I mean, it really does. The guitar is actually a little bit different because Steve Stevens from the Billy Idol band plays guitar. And then Vicky Fox, who was the original drummer in Enough's Enough, plays drums. And don't let the, uh, you know, the, the peace signs fool you. Vicki Fox was great. Matter of fact, I think some of his best work was what he did with Vince Neil. But it's a song called Sister of Pain, which was the second single off the album, Exposed, And it's a great-looking album cover, too. It's just a graphic of uh, Vince, pretty good picture of Vince. And um, again, it, if that's an album too, like if you are a really big Motley fan and maybe you just didn't give that album a chance, it holds up. You go back and listen to it today, and it sounds like maybe what Motley would have sounded like had Vince not left the band. And it depends on who you listen to, if he was fired or whatever. But uh, there's some really good tracks that Vince had written for Motley that are recorded on this album, and this is one of them. Uh, number 6 on the off of Tommy Lee the second uh so, solo album is called Never a Dull Moment the name of the song is Hold Me Down the video is incredible and i think Tommy had some really talented people working with him at the time but uh and basically it's about it's a very it's an autobiographical song and Tommy talks about i don't know why when I want to fly people want to hold me down and a lot of that was self-inflicted Tommy to be honest with you but um there are a lot of people too that you know when Tommy and uh, Pamela, Lee, Pamela Anderson's uh, relationship broke up. You know, he was kind of painted as the, as the villain in that deal because everybody loves Pamela Anderson like we all had a shot with her, right? I'll take Pam's side in this argument with Tommy Lee. She didn't know who we are. But Hold Me Down is kind of the, um, you know, the track from all that. Uh, number five, and this is one of those ones I absolutely love this song. I listen to this regularly. It's again, it's a 6 a.m. song. And it's a song, it's, it's kind of about recovery. You know, it's one of those things that uh, Nikki wrote kind of as an accompanying song for the, the, the book, The Heroin Diaries, about his own life and his struggles with addiction. But are you with me now? He's like, you know what, let's, let's go chase all these things that scare us. Let's confront every bit of this. Let's find all the negative things that have happened in their life and let's, let's conduct an autopsy on them and then move on. Let's dig all that trash out of our life. And so, again, it's Are You With Me Now. And there are a lot of times I listen to that when I need some inspiration. I, I love the song. I love the vocal. James Michael is phenomenal. DJ Ashbaugh, former guitarist of Guns N' Roses, he is the guy that uh, played rhythm, I guess, on Buckethead, was in the band. But um, I absolutely love it. I, I absolutely love uh, this song. And it's such a great message behind it, too. Uh, sticking with the six a.m. thing, number four, life is beautiful, and uh, that's that's again that's one that's autobiographical, and it's from the heroin diaries. And you know nothing like a trail of blood to find your way back home. And it's like once Nicky had had his struggles with heroin addiction, it's like at some point he kind of realized too that uh, you know his consequences were a gift too. They were a reminder that he was alive, but also too kind of providing a bit of a deterrent and an inspiration to get sober. And he's been clean and sober now for well over a decade um I, I forget the actual number but life is beautiful was just kind of that moment when you realize you know what that i've got a lot to live for i've got people counting on me and uh, there's some dark lyrics in there too but it is again a great song number three without a doubt the best solo track from the vince neal catalog and the second album he had um i guess it's called tequila and tattoos it was just okay the band wasn't quite as good it was just okay I didn't think the songs were quite as good either. Again, I think that Exposed album kind of came on the tail end of the Motley stuff, and so there was still some some juice in the squeeze, so to speak. But this is a great track. It's called You're Invited, But Your Friend Can't Come. And that's off that Exposed album. And uh, it, it, that album, too, that Vince Neil Exposed album, guys, it went to number 13 on the Billboard 200. It's 13. So it wasn't one of these albums just, you know, just kind of put together, just kind of thrown out there so we can get on the road and sell some t shirts. I mean, this was a really, really good album. And that was, that was the lead track You're Invited, But Your Friend Can't Come. Some of you probably heard that. Number two, and if somebody asked me to put together a collection of probably the 10 songs that I love that most of you have never heard of, this might be number one. This song, I I discovered this song when I was at a really dark place in life, even though I had been sober for a long time. And just one of those things, I I saw the video, MTV wasn't playing music back then, but it was just some video channel that was on in Baton Rouge, and this song came on, and it it just immediately struck a chord with me. And then I went and looked at the video on YouTube, and I probably watched it ten times in a row, because I loved the vibe of the song. And there's just so much of it, it's almost like Tommy was singing my song. The name of the song is Good Times, and there are a lot of people ask me, you know, like, you know, about music, you know, because like music is such a healer. And people say, you know, when Steve, when you're down in the press, you know, what what kind of stuff do you listen to, which I'm not down in the press very often, thankfully. Many of those years are behind me. There was a time, though, when this when I uncovered this one, I was really in a bad place. And it just talks about you take me away to a place where the good times roll and the video is phenomenal too uh, the video is just great there's, there's, a, there's a monte Car- monte carlo convertible that uh that tommy's driving but uh i i love you know tommy's not the most gifted vocalist but he does a great job on his song and again the message behind it the vibe the guitar everything about it it's just so great and lyrically it just fits me especially at the time but again it's good times with tommy lee that's number two on the list that's your number two song on the motley songs the are the motley songs from motley's guys outside of motley but number one and this is the follow-up to the heroin diaries and uh this is off i guess the second 6 a.m album there have been three to date but this is going to hurt and that's one of those things, too, about recovery. And, I, and I'm really honest with people when I go speak to them about this kind of stuff. And as a matter of fact, I have lunch regularly with people that are, that are considering taking up this way of life. And that's one of the things that I always promise them is this is going to hurt. Because it is. And it's not just because of the song. But I think the song kind of provided me maybe perhaps a theme song uh, for that line of thinking. You know, getting clean and sober is the most difficult thing that I have ever done, without a doubt. Without a doubt, because it's so easy to quit. It's so easy to quit quitting. It's easy to go back to what you're familiar with. And so in order to get sober and stay sober, you've got to do some very, very serious soul searching and do a fearless moral inventory of yourself. That's all part of step four. But the benefits from doing that stuff are just so incredible. If all you ever do is just stop drinking... All you're going to do is have a dry drunk. You're going to have somebody around that, you know, that never gets down to the core issue. And that, that's kind of what this song is about. It's like, you know what, if we're really going to get serious about it, if we're, if we're really going to do this, there's a price to pay. And most people aren't willing to pay it. You know, when I got clean and sober, I would have moved to Alaska and cut off contact with everybody if that's what it took. Because I was just so sick and tired. I just wanted to start my life over. Not to mention I had people that wanted to kill me. And so I just wanted to get away. I wanted to just be that normal guy in the neighborhood. You know, I used to be that guy that had you know people over all the time that were you know raising hell and causing a ruckus. I just wanted to be normal. I wanted to get up and go to work every day. I didn't want my neighbors to know that I was an alcoholic or a drug addict. I didn't want to know. Before, I used to wear that stuff like a badge of honor. I just wanted to be a regular guy. But in order to become that, I had to get honest with myself. And that's the most difficult thing to do. And it's not just about recovery. It's with all of us, with all of our problems. You know, the solutions to most of life problems are very, very simple. We just kind of, we convoluted with our own fear, our fear of change or rejection. And sometimes that fear is just speaking our minds. We just go ahead, we have these self-worth issues. So we think what I feel and what I, what I believe don't really matter. One of the most liberating moments of my life, and I'll share this with you, we'll move on. I was in rehab. And uh, back in 1991, and we had family week, which is the longest week of your life, but uh, also one of the most important and uh, there was a guy there that was, you know, had some things to say, and uh, I'm gonna betray them in anonymity or anything. And I, and I hope wherever he is today, I hope he's doing good. Um, but you know, he'd been in and out of treatment, man, and, and he kind of, you know, portrayed himself as somewhat of a of an expert. And he'd never been able to stay longer than sober in like a year. And every time it would have been, you know, he'd had to be extended treatment. He just couldn't do it on the streets, so he kind of hid in treatment. There he was, kind of taking my inventory and telling me this and telling me that. I just finally got sick of it. And I said, you know what, man? I said, here's the deal. Um, I respect the fact that you've been able to stay sober for a year, but you got the best year of sobriety your daddy's insurance could pay for pay for. And I don't like you. So I'm not going to sit here and listen to you. And when I said that, my counselor spoke up and she goes, "And you know what, Steve, you don't have to. And so all of a sudden, like all the things that I really thought and I really felt were validated. I didn't have to kind of, you know, I got one of those South Mississippi moms where we just don't say that kind of stuff. Well, that stuff was just welling up inside of me and I had to say it. And so here I am today, grateful that I said it. And uh, there's a lot more to that story and, and I'll write it one day. But, uh, but the bottom line is, is that anything worth having in life, there's going to be a measure of pain that comes through sacrifice in order to achieve it, and that's what I think about when I listen to this song. This is going to hurt, and I don't know if there is a guitar solo out there that matches a song better than this one. I think DJ Ashby absolutely killed it. So there you go, top ten songs by the guys from Motley Crue outside of Motley Crue, and I I'm probably am just really probably could say that a lot simpler, but that's kind of where we are. Hope you enjoy it. If you have an idea for the top 10 list, reach out, let me know. You can find me on all forms of social media at ScoutSteveR. Come join the party over on Twitter. Find me on Instagram, all that stuff. I try to use it all, but I'm really more of a Twitter guy and Facebook guy, but I use it all. So come find me, check me out. We'll connect. We'll be friends. Next segment of the show brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. Listen, many of you have questions about the mortgage lending industry. And that's one of the things that you find out in life is you don't know what you don't know until you find out you don't know it. You know, when I got ready to buy a house the first time, I had no idea how complicated the process was. I didn't know about appraisals. I didn't know about inspections. I didn't know about all these other issues and, you know, all these conditions of loans and all these things you do. And I just didn't know. I needed somebody to help me navigate through the process. You will too. Whether you're refining, whether you're, buying your first home you need a licensed mortgage professional and thankfully for you we got a mississippi state guy that can handle it for you that's blair chandler you can find him at closewithblair.com that's b-l-a-i-r closewithblair.com guy he works at fairway mortgage one of the top mortgage companies in america one top five and blair is in the top one percent of their closers coffee is for closers Blair drinks a lot of it and you know many of you are kind of outfitting your home with all this new championship merch and it's just going to be the same old place with just some new stuff in it so why not find a place that you can really showcase your collection and get all that stuff together the, the mortgage lending process doesn't have to be scary it really doesn't and so that's why it's best to stick with experience Blair's a guy with 21 years of experience. He's not just some fly-by-night lawn officer just kind of wet behind the ears. This is a guy that, that knows all the pitfalls that may pop up, and he can help you get through them. Give him a call today at 601-500-2344. Again, that's 601-500-2344. Or make it easy. Just go to clotheswithblair.com. Clotheswithblair.com. All right, so let's talk a little bit about this uh, men's basketball schedule. Since we last talked about this, you know, some blanks have been filled in. There are a few things we weren't sure about. We knew we were going to be playing in one of those, you know, out-of-the-country type classics. That's going to be in the Baja Mar Hoops Bahamas Championship. We're going to be in Nassau. We're going to play Louisville in game one. Game two, we'll play either Maryland or Richmond. Maryland or Richmond, and we've seen Richmond recently, right? Also added to the schedule is Colorado State. The basketball hall of fame classic that's december 11th out in fort worth texas and so if you are one of our great alums in the greater fort worth or dallas area you'll have a chance to see the bulldogs play in person now let's get into this sec schedule we haven't updated that on the healthstate.com website yet which is interesting you would think it's just plug and play again i don't know everybody's job but um that's yeah, probably something we can get done rather easily uh so let me grab this news here and let's look over here because that we just we just just announced all this stuff. So here's your SEC matchups for us announced uh just a couple days ago. So it's uh it's kind of similar, I guess, in some respects than what we've done in the years past. But it's not gonna be easy. It's the SEC. So we're gonna play. I guess they'll still have to, you know, put these dates in. Maybe that explains why they hadn't done it yet. But, um, so, our home games, we're going to play Alabama, Arkansas, Auburn, Georgia, Ole Miss, Missouri, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Vanderbilt. Arkansas is going to be good. Alabama will be good. You know, we've got, there's some winnable home games, too, there for sure. The road games, we go to Alabama, to Arkansas to Florida, Kentucky, LSU, Ole Miss, Missouri, South Carolina, Texas A&M. So we don't go to Vanderbilt. We don't go to Tennessee. We'll have a home-and-home home with Alabama, Arkansas, uh, Ole Miss, Missouri, and South Carolina. And then it is kind of piecemeal together. So Florida, Kentucky don't come here. LSU doesn't come here. A&M doesn't come here. So, you know, I've seen some people say, oh, it's a difficult schedule. It's always a difficult schedule. It just is. Now, we're going to be a good team this year. You've heard me say on the show before, we're going to be a good basketball team. I like the transverse. I understand Rocket Watch is recovering well. We're going to be in good shape there. Uh, we've got some interesting pieces. and you know, I think this fall is huge, not just for this season, but for the future of Mississippi State basketball. You know, Ben Howland needs to take the next step. And that's an NCAA tournament berth. And, you know, you look at the schedule, especially in the non-conference, and you say, you know what, got a chance to win. It's about all those games. Not going to be easy, but, you know, we should do well in the non-conference. And then when you think about the parity there's going to be in the SEC this year, you know, we ought to be able to post a winning record there. And if that's the case, then we have a really good chance to get back to the tournament. we got to win the right games. You know, and that, that's the thing about having some quality pieces like Garrison Brooks, Tolu Smith. You know, we're going to be able to get in the half court, and I think we're going to be able to play with some teams that maybe perhaps we couldn't last year. And abdul do is a freak of an athlete. He really was. But he was never really an offensive threat. He was a guy, too, at times that, uh, you know, despite being there for four years, that entry pass that he would get, he would you know, bounce it off his leg or just couldn't handle it. He'd bring it down. we turned the ball over. And so we weren't able to get good offensive play from the five spot. That's going to change this year. I think most people expect – you know, Tolu is a guy that made us slide into the five there. He's certainly capable of doing it. He's a great rebounder. He's a guy that plays good defense. Now, we don't have a guy that's, a, you know, a shot changer like Adu was. You know, that was a guy, too, that sometimes it wasn't just the shots that he blocked. It was shots that he altered. I don't know if we have that on this team. But with Garrison Brooks being a, you know, walking double-double to go along with Tolu Smith, we ought to be really good on, on, on the glass. I think that's fair. And so, again, excited about this, eager to kind of see what Ben Howland's got to say. He, he did not appear at the extravaganza. He's been sick, and I understand he's going to be fine, but um, did not appear. And uh, for those of you guys that went down there, you know, I've heard some reports, too, the attendance wasn't great, but the program was. Uh, I believe Lomonas is still on the beach with the family, and then Nikki McCray-Penson wasn't there, and then um, Ben Howland wasn't there. And so – kind of a abbreviated program in many respects but i understand a lot of people stayed home just you know kind of COVID cautious and so a lot of that delta variant kind of rolling around out there and so again you take care of yourself i'm not going to sit here and tell you how to act but uh, do what you feel like is best to protect you and your family but um you know this is a basketball program this year that i believe is going to take the next step what does that mean long term for bellingham i don't know Yeah, i i don't know i I don't know how long ben wants to continue to coach i know that they've got some grandchildren out in california but uh i feel like ben's probably got a few years left in the tank we'll just kind of see how things develop that's the thing too about all the virus stuff it's made a lot of us think more about our families and think about our own mortality and uh, i had i had a guy that i grew up with that uh was like a hero of my hometown i got in chip lofton it's an absolute hero in my hometown it'd been really really sick and uh you know, we lost him. We, he passed away uh, today. Don't know all the details behind it, but uh, you know, I, got a, I got a message from his younger brother, Chris, and uh, Chris let me know. said, hey, at 4.30, Chip passed away. I didn't know he'd been sick, but he'd been on a vent, you know, fighting this thing. And so, you know, it's not something to play with. So, again, I'm not going to give you any code of conduct, but I'll just tell you, you know, make good decisions for yourself and for the people around you and your family. We want you in the Humphrey Coliseum. We want you at Davis Wade Stadium. We want you in Duty Noble. We've had such a great year this year in 2021. You know, football year, You know, we. I think we were all just so grateful to play. And, you know, we got down a little bit too. And, of course, we lose to Ole Miss. Anytime we lose to Ole Miss, it's a bad year, no matter what the rest of the record looks like. You know, no, no season's really complete without the golden egg. And sometimes we lose it. It stinks, but it's the reality of it. We went up there and played, and, probably should have won the ball game but we didn't you know some could argue too you know if Lane Kiffin kicks a couple field goals that ball game's not even close that's probably fair too we got to play a better brand of football this year but I think last year we were all just so grateful to have football that we just kind of overlooked a lot of stuff and we knew it was going to be a difficult year anyway I mean you knew you never knew from one, one week to the next what player was going to be available I mean the contract trade seat rules were so stupid but you know we didn't know we were still learning and we're still learning today but there should be more teams that have more players available i think we'll have you know a much you know better season this year we don't have to deal with as much of that stuff hopefully at least that's the expectation that you know we'll be able to you know i was told here recently that uh you know the plan right now is to have full stadium that's the plan but they're also really monitoring this Delta variant. And of course, uh, you know, the guidelines set forth by the Mississippi Department of Health. And so that's not to say that things won't change between now and September. I hope not. But this is a different world in which we're living in. And so monitor that, keep up with it. We over at Gene's page will keep you abreast of the things that we hear. But I can tell you, Unequivocally, right now, the plan is to have a full capacity Davis Wade Stadium with about 60,000 cowbells out there ringing like crazy. That's what we want. That's what everybody else wants. Next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart. And uh, yeah, a lot, lot of good folks up there. And they're adding good folks, too. They're adding good folks. Excited about some of the things I'm hearing about the new staff there at Campus Bookmart. Spend a lot of time down there. When I'm in town, I go by and check them out. Go by and see my friends. They're your friends, too. Standing man, Miss Kathy Brown, lovely talented Susie, Cheyenne, the whole crew. Candy, kind of holding it down in the basement. They ought to get her out of the basement. I know she may be happier down there, but I would have her up front. That's just me. No offense to anybody else. but, But here's the deal. Campus is going to take care of you and help you outfit your family in the latest national championship gear. If you can't make it to town, I'm encourage you to visit them on the World Wide Web at CampusBookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And some of you think that I'm joking. I'm not. You'll find when you unlock the code that says Beautiful Steve Robertson, and that'll save you shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Many of you spend a couple hundred hours or more. On championship gear and you were happy to have that bsr code because that saved you a little, a little money right probably bought you another t-shirt or two so be sure to use that regularly it's promo code bsr at CampusBookMart.net. My mom the kids are going back to school they'd love to have some more national championship gear more and i understand some long sleeve shirts are on the way heard that a couple days ago there, there will be some long sleeve shirts and listen we will uh we'll wear that national championship logo on whatever they want to send right it's what we'll do whether it be a hat a shirt you know a pair of pants whatever get on our shoes tattoo on our flesh well that's what we'll do because we're prior to that national championship and we have every right to be all right so top dog camp so that's going to get rolling. Registration, I believe, is from 10 to 12. And then we'll start drills. And then I believe we're going to run to around 3, 3.30. And so there are going to be some war daddies on campus Friday. So Paul Jones and I have done our best to kind of keep up this week and kind of hit some of the notable, some of the names that you guys know. And some there's some guys that are coming, and there's some guys that aren't. And so that's just kind of the reality of recruiting instead of Mississippi sometimes. But once we get out there, we'll do our best to kind of put a list together of, uh, of participants. You know, a big one that's going to be here tomorrow, or Friday, excuse me, that, uh, that some of you guys have given up on and you're wrong to do, do so, pardon me, is Jaheim Otis from Columbia High School. That's my hometown. If I don't have good sources down there, I don't know where I've got them. And so I've heard, basically, for four years, Jaheim Otis is a guy that's uh, going to be a big-time guy. Got a genuine interest in Mississippi State. He, he's expected to be here tomorrow. And there was a lot of discussion this week. Oh, he's going to be at Ole Miss. And, I'm, and so I called back home. No, he's not going there. But don't say anything yet. No, he's not going there. Call back on Tuesday. Hey, man, these Ole Miss people are really confident he's coming up there. And say, yeah, I don't know about that. Might do both schools. You know, because he's not working out anywhere. You know, Mike, come up here to State for the afternoon, go to Ole Miss for the evening, and there's going to be some of that. And that's okay, too. You know, we're not going to get a monopoly on that sort of stuff. And so they may come here and then go there and go check it out. You know, when you've got guys like Jaheim Otis, who has nothing to prove in camp, and he's already camped with us one time and went through camp as a commitment to Alabama, and he still came to Mississippi State and camped with Jeff Phelps. I mean, come on. But we're not in it. No, we're in it. I don't know if we can close the deal, but we're in it. He's still committed to Alabama, but he's expected to be here tomorrow afternoon. So we'll see how things go. He's going to show up and get the, you know, the maroon carpet rolled out for him, take the big tour, see all the facilities, all that kind of stuff. It's going to be a lot different. So there are a few other guys that are going to be here, some names maybe you're not quite as familiar with. We've got. I talked about some of these guys in the bones on the on Gene's page in the chat session we had. Uh, Donovan Johnson out of Allenwood, Georgia. That's a Cedar Grove High School, and, and Cedar Grove always seems to have dudes, man, always. So he is a guy that came and camped and uh, earned an offer, and he's coming back. And that's you know that was kind of the Dynamo one thing too. Is like we want the best of the best to be here and have those guys compete, and so. If I had to call it right now, I don't think Donovan Johnson is a take. Now, that could change over the course of today. I think he needs to come in and have a big workout. Guys, we've got seven DBs committed right now. Seven. There's going to be an adjustment or two. And I think you know, I think the workout on Friday will probably determine one of those. You know, If everybody comes in and works out, does a great job, maybe Donovan Johnson is not a priority. Or maybe he's a guy you kind of follow for now. We'll see. But he might come in here and just kill the workout. You're thinking, you know what, i got to take this guy. And so I think there is still some play in that one. There's still some ebb and flow in that situation. And we'll kind of see how things progress. The next guy on the list is Audavian Collins. Audavian Collins, a corner prospect out of Covington, Georgia, Newton High School there. Uh, Listed at six foot, probably closer to 5'11". But the kid can really play. Got a handful of Power 5 offers. A lot of people thought he was going to go to Michigan State. He's not. I feel pretty confident Mississippi State is in the driver's seat right now. I think Darso McBath just simply needs to just kind of continue to do what he's doing. I think this kid will be in the boat before the season. he said, say, well, Steve, we're going to take eight DBs. No, there'll be, there'll be an adjustment. There'll be at least one. Baldavian well, Collins can play. He absolutely can. I watched his film – here about 10 days ago when i saw some people kind of mentioning him as a guy that uh you know might be a commitment you you start thinking okay well let me go check this kid out go watch his film the kid can elevate really quick there are a lot of guys that are straight line fast collins is a guy that's got straight line speed but also good change of direction if you're going to play corner in this league you better be able to do that everybody just wants to run a dadgum fade but in this league you got so many great route runners out there that'll make you look stupid Collins is a guy that can hold his own so I can't sit here and tell you that hey it's going to be a big commitment weekend because I don't know that yet I don't know how hard they're going to push now you got 15 guys committed you can take nine more and so if a guy wants to commit, like let's say for an example if Jahimoto says hey I want to commit you take that commitment there's no question there's no question about it you know if uh Trevion Williams, who is coming up with his mom and grandmom, and I understand they're going to spend some extended time in Starkville. If he says, hey, I'm going to go, you take that one. you don't even think twice. You take the commitment, and you feel great about life. There's some other guys out there. I think maybe, maybe you see them in camp, and then you watch maybe their first two or three games of their senior year before you, you go all in on them. You know, we got to go out and get some defensive linemen. There's no question about it. And I think they're still continuing to kind of target your end-state guys. RJ Moss and Biloxi High School will be here this weekend. You know, he's the guy that took a step forward in the June camp. I think there was kind of like, well, you know, we'll see. And I think you know, he he did well. And so if he comes back and replicates that, I think that bodes well for him. He was in Tuscaloosa on Thursday, and then be in Starkville on Friday. Now, I, do I think he's Alabama good? No, I don't is he mississippi state good yeah i do i do think he's good enough to play here and you say well steve if he's not good enough for alabama why ain't he good enough for here let's not kid ourselves here okay alabama is still recruiting at a higher level than mississippi state but i think rj moss is the guy that can develop i think he is the guy that can come in here and be a contributor to mississippi state i think the rest of that scenario is linebackers we got one a great one uh Khalid's already in the boat out of Popperville, Mississippi. Love him. Love his game. Stone Blanton is an absolute stud. We've known about Stone forever and a day, it seems. You know, he committed to Mississippi State baseball a long time ago. Then all of a sudden, the football thing kind of took off for him. He ended up picking up uh, 20-some-odd offers, I guess. Recently announced a top three of Tennessee, excuse me, Texas A&M, South Carolina, and Mississippi State. And then some people say well you know Ole miss is still in it but uh that's not what stone says matter of fact stone tweeted out a video kind of prepping for the senior season and he tagged three schools in it texas a&m mississippi state south carolina he will ultimately choose between one of those three i expected to be mississippi state then what does that mean for Jave gilmore you know javay gilmore is a guy out of meet, louisiana cousins with ty Wheat. And so you've got some connections there, and you've got a man on the inside that can kind of explain, okay, here's the nuances of the defense. Here's how Zach Arnett coaches. Here's how you fit in. So you've got a guy that can kind of help you some there too. To be honest with you, I think if both of those guys want to come, you got to take them. I've heard at times it's going to be a two-linebacker class, maybe three. Maybe you take a third back or as the best available. I think if these three guys want to come, you go get them. Khalid obviously is in, and he's been shut down for a while. But you get Stone Blanton in, You get Javay Gilmore in, I think that really sets up well for the future. I think you can feel really good about life kind of moving forward. You know, Deshaun Page, the guy got three years of eligibility, he was a junior college guy. Not to mention, if Deshaun comes in here and has the two years we expect, he may be a guy that goes in a draft early. So we'll see how things go. But I don't know what to expect commitment-wise this weekend. Could Stone Blanton commit this weekend? Yeah, he could. Am I expecting it? I can't say that I am. But I won't be surprised if he does. I don't expect Trevion Williams to flip this weekend – but I won't be surprised if he does. I don't rule anything. I think Trevion is probably a guy, too, that got caught up in the moment on an official visit to Florida State. And now, you know, his mom is very involved now, too. And I was told that people in the family were kind of surprised he committed when he did. But what does it say about the level of that commitment that now all of a sudden he's right back up here at Mississippi State with his mom and grandmother in tow? you You wouldn't bring your grandmother somewhere that you weren't serious about going to. Why would you do that? I don't know how much you love your grandmother. I don't have any grandmothers left. But I wouldn't take my grandmother on a road trip just to take her on a trip. It's going to be an overnight thing. We're going to go up there. You know, it's a recruiting trip. Yeah, you know, why would I waste her time? And you know, she's got to be at home doing crossword puzzles and watching the NBA, which is exactly what my grandmother did every day. She's a big Michael Jordan fan. Huge, huge Bulls fan. But it was crazy. You know, it's like... I can understand. Okay, mom and dad are going to make the trip with you cuz they're out doing due diligence. Why would you bring your grandmom though? So if there's not a legitimate interest, you just wouldn't you wouldn't go to the trouble to do that. So there are some people saying, "Oh, I just don't know. L- listen, they wouldn't go to all this trouble just to take a trip at their own expense, mind you. It's not an official visit." So we'll see how things progress. But again, yeah, do we need to pick it up a little bit in recruiting? Yeah, we do. We do. And I think, too, our big run, a lot of that you kind of timed up. Our big run in-state, things kind of slowed down for us, you know, when they lifted the dead period. And all of a sudden, these kids are trying to make up for lost time. It's like, well, I haven't been able to get out and go anywhere. And so now I'm going to get on the road. i got to go see this school and that school. And, and, and of course, the, the coaches are so happy to get you there. They're kind of playing catch-up, too. Uh, come here, come here, come here. And so you got a million invites, and so the guys are getting out going. So Friday will be a big day. It'll be a big day. You may not see a ton of commitments this weekend, but I think there'll be some very, very positive experiences that kind of move towards that end here in the weeks ahead. All right, listen, I've told you guys before, I've lived here in Starkville now since 2014. Made the move up from Baton Rouge. Happy to do it. You can thank me for us going the number one. No, I'm kidding. It was so much fun to see all that up close there, right? But if I was moving to Starkville now, I'd move to Portico i love living being out here in the sticks i really do but uh i'm not getting any younger you know got a lot of acreage out here we got to take care of and uh i would like to live closer to town but not necessarily in town and that's what portico kind of gives you the convenience of town but you've got a little more privacy out there yes it is a residential development you've got neighbors around you but you're kind of tucked away there you come off 82 on to 12 like going towards campus the very first right is Pat station road that'll take you to portico you're just 1.1 miles from campus what could be better the the, the reason you moved to mississippi state the reason you moved to Starkville, is to go to ball games you know listen nobody's moving out here to go ski like lake octubaha octubaha county lake you can't anyway you move here to be close to the action why would you want to live anywhere else And a lot of people say, hey, you got to live out here. No, you don't. All the cool kids are moving to Portico. That's how this thing is working. And so if you're coming to town or you're considering moving to Starkville, Portico is absolutely the way to go. Got that great walking trail out there, two-bedroom, two-bath, up to four-bedroom, four-bath, whether it be your primary residence and investment property, uh, you know, or perhaps, you know, a situation where it's just going to be your home away from home. Portico is the way to go. There ain't no question about it. Let me give you some information. Brooks Bryan is a guy that is committed to Mississippi State and committed to Stargill. It's not a deal where he's just some guy. He's one of us. Brooks is also a guy that um, did some great things for Mississippi State baseball over the years. Probably got some great stories about Richard Lee i will share with you. Give him a call today, 601-416-8075. You heard that right, 601-416-8075. And if you got questions about that, you can't remember the number, shoot me a DM. I'm happy to send it to you. So let's talk about a couple of things before we get out of here. Uh, Baseball. You know, we mentioned Kellum Clark earlier in the show. You know, we've talked about where does he fit position-wise. You know, last year people were trying to tell me he's potentially at third baseman, and then people said, you know what, he's the first baseman in the future. I don't know that he doesn't. Get some work in the outfield this fall, you know we we kind of just threw him out there this year. He'd never played outfield in his life. We just kind of threw him out there and let him get by on athleticism. You know, we kind of did the same thing for Tanner Allen you know Tanner Allen you know was our first baseman undersized as a first baseman, so we sent him to the outfield to kind of not only help him find his natural position to kind of help boost his professional stock but it allows him to use his athleticism a little bit more and so when you look at what T.A. became defensively, you know, made a lot of diving catches this year, made a lot of effort plays. You know, I think Callum Clark is a guy that can do some, some, some more things. Callum Clark's got a big arm, too. You know, Callum Clark used to, you know, is a young guy, was throwing, you know, 88, 89. You know, then they got him off the pitching mound. And so, you know, he's a guy that can still make that throw. So I don't worry at all about him being able to make the big throw from right. But I won't be the least bit surprised if he, if he begins to work out there. And then Brad Cumbus, I think right now if I had to make the call, I would say Brad Cumbus is your starting left fielder. I, I think that is the case. Now, our best defender last year without question, Broen Skinner. That guy can cover a lot of ground. That guy tracks baseball well. You know, he's a natural center fielder. You know, he was going to be our everyday left fielder at the beginning of the season. Then he broke that bone, that hammock bone uh, that, that set him back. But you bring in Jess Davis, and so I think ultimately Braylon Skinner and Jess Davis, you kind of compete for that spot. That's not to say that Skinner couldn't take over. You know, it's a left-hander, uh, and be the the left-handed left fielder on the days when they're throwing right-handers. It's not to say that it won't be maybe you, know, you play some matchups at times. But I think some of these young guys coming in too are going to be a factor as well. And I think too by moving Clark into a true position. It kind of unclogs that D8 spot. And maybe gives an opportunity for Corder or some of these other guys to get in there and swing a little bit. Maybe you can play matchups with a D8 spot. I think that is the real possibility. I think Luke Hancock's going to stay at first. I think it's one of the reasons Josh Hatcher's leaving. And that, in fact, I think Josh knows that uh, his opportunities, you know, to get more at-bats and playing time are going to come somewhere else. And, again, very grateful to Josh Hatcher for his contributions to Mississippi State baseball. No question about that. But when you look around this thing, you think, okay, you know, we still got, you know, the figure this thing out with well, Jaeger. Listen, he and Forsyth are going to compete at short, but listen, just based on what we know right now, I mean, is there anybody smoother than Forsyth at short? Yes, the offensive piece has to come around. I just don't know one now that you've got the left side kind of settled, because Cam James was outstanding down the stretch at third. Outstanding. And so I think Jaeger will play at second. So I think when you think about these transfers, I think it really kind of locks up your lineup. Now, I have made a few calls and talked to a few people. I don't anticipate any other transfers unless, you know, a true difference maker just kind of falls in our laps. And that's the thing, too. We're getting a lot of guys that are kind of recruiting Mississippi State right now. You know, some guys that perhaps looking for another spot and State just doesn't have anything. But, you know, if a left-handed arm came along, yeah, you got you got to replace Houston Harding if you can. And so – at this point, I think we're probably good where we are. Um, you know, we've only, got it, we've only got a few spots we're going to have to cut between uh, now and spring baseball, and you've got fall to figure that out. There will be some guys, too, that, uh, you know, some walk-ons you may end up redshirting to get your numbers down. It's part of the deal, too. But, you know, Mississippi State, you know, it's, it, it, the name carries a little more weight now. And so, as a result, you got some recruits you're thinking, you know, listen, I want to go there. And, you know, when I first talked to, uh, you know, to RJ Yeager, he said, you know, when I first went in the portal, I was hoping I would hear from Mississippi State. That's interesting. Because when you look at the fact that Mississippi State is kind of returning a nucleus of players that knows what it takes to win an national championship and there's only a couple spots to fill and you play a middle infield spot, maybe that's for you. Jess Davis told me that, uh, you know, once he got ready to go into the portal, Mississippi State was a school he hoped to hear from because he'd played a couple games here. He knew what it was like, and he said he could only imagine what it would be like at an SEC weekend in a capacity crowd. And so, you know, when you make a phone call these days and you're Chris Lamontis or Jay Gotro or, or uh, you know, Scott Foxhall, and you make that call, they're a lot more likely to call you back that doesn't mean that we were getting avoided on the recruiting trail before, but we're the, we're the running national champions guys. And so there's a lot of players out there that would love this opportunity. And so they're figuring all that out. But I think when you begin to look at this team and look at the transfers that we brought in, look at what we're returning, you know, there's not a lot of mystery, I think, with that lineup. That said, I'm going to be really intrigued to see what happens this fall with these newcomers the way quarter is pounding the ball in summer league baseball with a wooden bat so he got seven eight home runs all of a sudden i start thinking wait a minute is that another double digit home run guy you know my goodness how many of those guys are we gonna have well it means we means we can get right a lot of people have told me that rj yeager is built for our park we'll see i'm excited about it you should be as well that's going to do it for today. And, again, I stayed up late for you guys because I love you. Now I've got to go get some rest and get up, and I'll be at Top Dog Camp. And so look for full coverage of that over at jeanspage.com throughout the day. Paul Jones and I will do our best to provide you with all the latest updates. I want to thank you guys again for your support of Blooms of Oleander. I did it actually an interview with the Mississippi Public Broadcast uh, System or network earlier today. Uh, I guess I did it yesterday. They aired it uh, on Thursday. But, um, yeah, a lot of cool things are happening for sure. It's uh, number five on the Mississippi Best Seller's list. I never really expected that. I was just hopeful it would make the list. Uh, It's been on there every week since its it's release on June 7th. And so how cool is that? You know, a book of poetry. Hanging in there with uh, these big books, it makes me proud. If you haven't done so, you can order your book at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, or BooksandMegan.com. But really, I would prefer you buy it from a local bookstore. And that's nothing against those companies. But uh, I believe in the independent bookstore. If you need personalization, you have got to either come to a book signing, which there won't be many, and then, uh, or you can call Bookmart and Cafe in Starkville, call them directly. They'll ship it to you. They'll take your order. I'll go sign it, and then they'll mail it out to you. Nothing could be easier. And so, again, I believe in supporting Starkville, and I believe in supporting independent bookstores. I will be at Lemuria Books August 7th, August 7th from 2 to 3 looking forward to that always a great time always a great time to go down there and that's listen it's just a week away so make plans to attend that's a week from saturday august 7th from two to three at lemuria books i told you guys i wasn't going to tour a lot this summer i was hopeful we'd have a big baseball season uh but i'm just trying to kind of reconnect and also too i'm working on this new book and so i just don't have the time to travel i've got to get all this stuff done before football season begins and so I'm spending a lot of time in front of this computer, to say the least. It reminds me, too, I haven't shared with you guys. If you're looking for Stark Villains gear, go to StarkVillains.com. A lot of people say, hey, Steve, we'd love to support you. We already have the books. Uh, listen, either subscribe to JeansPage.com and or order some Stark Villains gear at StarkVillains.com. And if you're looking for the three earlier books, that's Flim Flam, Alpha Dogs, and Stark Villains, you can get personalized copies at alphadogsthebook.com. Uh, I sign books once a week if not more, uh, for them. So a lot of things coming up. A lot, you, need to, you need to kind of get your summer reading done anyway. And Alpha Dogs and Start Villains are stories about Mississippi State, about Mississippi State beating Ole Miss. We win every one of those chapters. So go check them out today. Take care of your uh, Bulldog readers in your life. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.